announcements to God in every area. And Joe and Jay sharing the announcements, you know, the few things that we got in store for you in the, day, in the month of December. We're just trusting God to give us wisdom and direction to uh, do the right thing. I want to mention a couple of things just real quickly. Some folks I want to ask you to, to pray for, to continue to hold them up. Maybe you didn't know about the situation that they were going through. But, and if I, I didn't get permission from anyone to, to announce this, so I hope that they won't find, um, this is one of those moments I'm asking for, for what is it I ask for forgiveness rather than permission. But I'd like for you to remember Brother Jerry Perry and his family. Brother Jerry's father passed away a week ago right before Thanksgiving. He and his family are here today, so please remember Brother Jerry's family in prayer. Secondly, Miss Ann Riggs lost, uh, is it Nana? Is it Miss Nana? Uh, from the, they've traveled many times back and forth to Oklahoma, and uh, JoJo preached the, uh, the farewell service uh, this past Friday in Oklahoma. So please remember Sister Ann and her family. And then as late as last night, our own Sister Karen Smith, her mother, passed away through the night and stepped out of... Uh, this, this existence into God's eternal kingdom. And so, church family, I want to encourage you to hold these families up in prayer. That's a good thing, isn't it? Right? And so, if I, without asking your permission, I do ask, I'll ask your forgiveness if y'all didn't want me to share that, but I would want somebody to hold me up and hold my family up in prayer when we're going through, uh, you know, the, the changes. And anytime you lose someone closer to the holiday season, there's a little greater depth of sting to it. But aren't you grateful for Christ and his victory over death? Come on, amen. And so thank God for his eternal kingdom. I'm so privileged to have an opportunity. Let me take a moment to lead into this message. I'm not going to, uh, to borrow too much of your time from you that is not anything related to the word here. Today is a message as I lead into the month of December here. I'm going to try to connect to the uh, what we would call the Christmas story. It's a little bit out of my structure and my type of preaching, but in my meditations, I got on something. I just kind of, you know, we often describe it as preachers. Preacher lingo is that uh, you're kind of like in the mine, and you're just, you find a vein, and when you get on that vein, you just kind of, you just kind of hammer away at it because you know that there's nuggets in there. You just have to extract them, and so I want to go to Matthew chapter number one, verse number 18, and it's going to set the context for us. We're going to return to this here in a few moments, it's not where we're going to be immediately, but it, it oddly enough, the, the, there's a reason why for the phrase that I'm going to use to help me lead into my title of the, today's message. In Matthew chapter number one, and it's actually not even the whole verse, it's just really the first uh, part of the, of the verse, kind of that first sentence that concludes at the colon there. So when you found it, would you stand and honor the reading of the Word of God? And that's all we're going to read as we begin here today. And it says here in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Just pause right there. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. So you're, if you don't read from the King James Version, your Bible's going to read differently than that. But it's, as, as Matthew here is beginning to expound to us the narrative of what happened, the, the events that happened before and during and immediately after the birth of Christ. And so from that narrative of the birth of Jesus, there's something that I want to share with you today. And here it is. It's wisdom from above. That's what's in my heart to share with you today. I believe that every one of us need the wisdom of God. I believe we need it at 
every day in our life, but especially critical moments in our lives when we're making decisions. Right, it was our own Joe Coots, and if Brother Joe was watching Facebook Live from Georgia, folks around him are mourning today, but we won't go there. They're mourning from the spanking that Alabama gave them yesterday. But if Joe Coots is watching from Georgia today, Brother Joe told me years ago, and I never forgot it, he said a person's life is going to eventually be shaped by four or five critical decisions made along the entirety of their lifetime. And with that, when you are making those critical decisions, I'm telling you, you need the wisdom of God. And so let's pray for it today. Let's ask God to open our understanding here. God, I love you, and I'm so thankful to have a moment to share, to share what you have laid on my heart. And I pray, God, as I asked the men to pray yesterday at the prayer breakfast, ask them to pray, and Barrett prayed that preaching would come easy in this house today. And I want to speak openly that the only way that preaching comes easy is if the hearts of the people are receptive. God, let the heart and the mind and the understanding of the people be receptive today to the Word of God. And may we attain wisdom from above. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for your honoring the Word of God by standing today. So let me just kind of, if I will, lead this in for you for just a moment of time. Obviously, when you are in that moment, we call it, I call it anyhow, the valley of decision. It's taken from the scripture, the valley of decision. When you're in that moment of that season where you are having to make a a particular decision that you know can have life-altering consequences, if your heart is truly, um, you know, if your heart is truly yielded to God, then certainly you want to honor the Lord in everything that you do. Right, you just that that is at the heart of the decisions that you're making. But it doesn't necessarily take away from the challenge of making that decision. And and sometimes when you are at at on that on the verge of having to make a decision, it can be one of the most stressful times of your life. The anxiety that can begin to come over you when you are going through that moment of, of, of trying to decide and searching diligently for the will of God can cause you to uh, lose sleep at night can cause you to be agitated to the people that you love. Sometimes you respond with, uh, you know, if someone says something to you, you respond aggressively back to them, perhaps out of your character because of that inner tension that you are dealing with. They don't really know. The people around you don't necessarily know what's going on inside because you're so searching and you want to make sure that the decision is the right decision. And so one of the things that I've learned after pastoring these many years and also walking this out in my own life is that people oftentimes simply don't know how to find the will of God. And so as a pastor, I want to help you. If there is something, if there's any template that I can give you and and certain principles of faith that you can hide down in your heart that will help you, uh, then then I believe that I can truly say that it, it will help you make better decisions in the future. Now, let me go a little bit farther with this. Let's look at ancient Israel. Ancient Israel had, a, had something that we can look at. And I've preached about this in days gone by. I'm only going to highlight it for a few of you today. So when ancient Israel was coming through the wilderness journey and had been given the instruction for the tabernacle and the priesthood, God gave something to the children of Israel that was very, very unique. It stands out probably from all other nations on the earth. 
as he established a priesthood, and then the priesthood, not only would the priesthood intercede for the people and mediate for the people, but the priesthood would also help the children of Israel to determine direction, to determine national decisions. Because, you know, if you have to make decisions at, the, at, your, at your personal level, then oftentimes we have to make them at a larger level. We see this congregationally, we have to make decisions. And then we have governmentally, we have to make decisions. We have state decisions and national decisions. And you can find all of that in the structure of the, of the people of ancient Israel. And so God said, through the means of the priests, I'm going to help you make those critical decisions. And so it's something called the Urim and the Thummim. Some of you don't really know about that. Others of you are familiar. I'm not going to teach about it today, but I'll highlight it. Let's put these two texts on the screen. Exodus chapter number 28, verse number 30, and it says, Thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So for, without putting any picture images, you'll have to look this up on your own. The, the high priest had an ephod, and upon the ephod he had a breastplate of judgment, and he had the 12 stones of the nation of Israel. And there's, it's a little bit in disagreement about what the actual Urim and Thummim is, but, but, but it was, some say that it was the illumination of the stones that were on the breastplate, but others say that there was actually more of a pouch that was on the, that was on the breastplate where there were actually two stones, the Urim and the Thummim. Some say it was a black stone and a white stone. Others say it was an illumination of one of the two stones that when he would reach in and pull it out, that it would be a determined direction so that they could literally ask, do we go here? And they would reach their hand in and pull it out, and there would be a yes or a no. Let's put this other verse up here, Numbers chapter number 27, verse number 21. And he shall stand before Eliezer the priest and shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word shall they go out, and at his word they shall come in. So in essence, that priest became a mediator and an intercessor for the people, but he was also a counselor. He, through the gift of God, the office of the priesthood, and through the Urim and the Thummim that was placed in the breastplate in that moment of time by putting his hand inside the breastplate and removing the stone, perhaps by illumination, because Urim actually meant light and Thummim meant perfection. So it was that perfect revelation of the will of God. And that's a powerful thing. Isn't that right, church family? And you think, man, I wish that I had that. But maybe we do. Maybe we're closer to it than what we realize if we'll look at it a little bit closer. So I won't go into great depth of this, but I do want to show you what happens when you don't have the direction that often that you need when you're really struggling from, for this. And the, the first king of Israel that had fallen prey to rebellion against God when he did not obey God, uh, which was Saul, and, and the presence of God departed from Saul. And during the time that the, the presence of God departed from Saul, he still sought the counsel of God at times, but God refused to answer him. So in 1 Samuel chapter number 28, verse number 6, look at this passage here. It says here, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, by Urim, or by prophets. And so Saul, as he began to search, he said, I, I want to find the counsel of God. But remember, he's already disobeyed God. And a breach in that communion and that fellowship has taken place. But with this, because he did not obtain the, the, the wisdom of God, he turned to witchcraft. And I tell you what, that, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in that very same manner. We get anxious, we get excited, and, we, and, and we're not listening, and we're finding, and we're searching, and we don't obtain it. And then we turn to carnal means. 
So let me go back and put you in contrast to this. So two chapters over, we find David. Now, David is not the king as of yet. He's been anointed the king. This is the text of Scripture where he has gone to Ziklag and dwelt in the land of the Philistines because Saul is pursuing him. And he had a priest that was with him that had fled because of the tabernacle and, and uh, when there was a, a killing off of the priest by uh, Saul, uh, the, one of the priests uh, escaped and he brought an ephod. And it seems as if that ephod was used or that perhaps was the ephod that had the breastplate of judgment upon it because Abathar the priest is interceding for uh, David and it says, And Abathar, Abathar brought hither the ephod. And look at verse number 8. And so David is inquiring. And so David inquires at the Lord, and he said, Shall I pursue after his troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail overcome all. So it's very likely that in that moment that David inquired of Abathar, and Abathar reached his hand into the breastplate. And when David said, Shall I pursue? And the stone came out, illuminated in the hand of the priest. And he said, Yes, you shall pursue. He put the stone back in. The priest goes back in. And he asked again, And shall I overtake? And he pulls it out. And the word of the Lord comes to him. And so that's very exciting for us to see this. And we think to ourselves, Man, I wish Pastor Brown had a breastplate like that. Man, I'll tell you what, you would be lined up outside of my door daily for, to come in and counsel. But I want you to know, we do. There's more. If you'll look at this, uh, if we'll look at it more purposely, we can see that there is something that we can, that we have, that God's given us, that can help us know the direction that when we are searching diligently for it. And one of the ways that I believe that is key for us determining the will of God is the peace of God. The peace of God. Let me show you what I mean by this. Go to James chapter number 3. So we're going to return to Matthew in a moment, but I'm building and, and establishing the foundation for this message because I want to help you to, to be able to alleviate the anxiety and the stress that can often come when you're searching for the wisdom of God and the direction of God that we're waiting on the Lord to give the peace of God. James chapter number 3. Here in this passage of Scripture, James said, Is there a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Yes, there is. He says, let him show out of a good lifestyle or conversation his works and his meekness of wisdom. Read that 14th verse with me. And it says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Paul's right there. So when you are making a decision and you're contemplating the direction that you should go, if the decision as you contemplate it in your mind begins to produce envy and strife in your heart, I'm telling you that is an initial indicator that is not the will of God for your life. And secondly, certainly not when it's against the truth. We're going to pick that up in a moment. Verse number 15, let's read on further. He said, for because that wisdom descends not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Paul's right there. Wisdom is actually discretion. Let me just go ahead and establish that for you. It differs from knowledge. You can have knowledge without wisdom, right? There are a lot of people that have a lot of knowledge that don't have the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is what gives us the ability to make judgment. And I'm going to show you a verse of Scripture here that will help you understand that in a moment. But so in this context here in James chapter number 3, and you are praying, you're in the valley of decision, and when you are contemplating and meditating upon it, it begins to produce envy and strife. Then here's what the, 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 the book of James says. Excuse me. That wisdom is not from above. It's earthly, it's sensual and devilish, and many of us have given into it, and we have, we have pursued that earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom. 
We have used that to dictate our direction. Let's go a little bit farther. But what is the wisdom that, for it says, envy and strife, there is confusion in every evil work. Verse number 17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is what? Pure. Pure. God is holy and God is pure and so is his wisdom. And then secondly, what is it? It is peaceable. Don't forget that. The wisdom of God is peaceable and then beyond that, what is it? It is gentle. It's gentle to your heart. It begins to resound into your heart. It's easy to be entreated. I've often said easy to be received. I don't know if that's the right application there. But it's full of mercy. It's full of good fruit. It is without partiality and it is without hypocrisy. Verse number 18, to conclude this, James said, And it is the fruit of righteousness, and it's sown in peace of them that make peace. So we can say right here that for the template for you and I to initiate this lesson, this message that I have for you, to help you as you are making those critical decisions in your life, recognize that the wisdom of this earth, it is earth or this world is earthly, sensual, and devilish. It leads to strife. It leads to discontentment. It leads to anxiety in your heart. But when God drops His direction in your heart, it's peaceable. It's easy to be received. It produces the fruit of righteousness in you. It's in accordance with the truth, not contrary to the truth. Man, that's good right there. Let's go one little bit farther in the book of Colossians, chapter number 3, verse number 15. It's a very famous verse of Scripture here. It says, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, pause right there, to which you are called in one body and be thankful. But let me go back there before the comma. And let the peace of God rule in your heart. So again, when you are praying and you're searching because you're going through a change in life, a change of season, difficult things in front of you, and again, there's daily decisions that we're making. We're all making daily decisions. But again, there are some critical decisions that come to your life that you need to make sure that you are walking in the wisdom and the counsel of God. And during that time period, one of the things that God will use that can be the Urim and the Thummim for you is the peace of God. Because when that peace begins to resound in your heart, it's been illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 4 said it is without understanding. I can't even understand it. I don't even know. I can't even tell you. I can't even describe to you what the peace of God is like. You have to just experience it for yourself. Because you can have confusion and strife all around you, but when you have made a decision that you know is rooted in the wisdom of God, then you have the peace of God. And the peace of God, listen, that word rule there, oddly enough, means to arbitrate. But even though, I don't know if this was used in the time that it was written, but if you'll read this out, if you'll study this out, it actually literally means to be an umpire. So think about that for a moment. When we think about an umpire, we, we move that from the sporting world of the uh, football and basketball into the baseball world. And every one of us have watched the umpire when somebody is making a move to first base. They've made a hit, and the throw has come, and it's happened so quick, and it looks simultaneously. The ball hits the glove at the foot hits the, as the foot hits the bag, and the umpire has to do what? He's got to make a decision right there. He's going to say, you're, right, you're out, or he's going to say, safe, correct? Well, when that illumination happens in your heart and the peace of God, the wisdom from above has dropped down in your spirit, then I'm going to tell you almost always that's the direction that you were searching for. Now, let me go a little bit farther. You said, Pastor, when can, well, it can come a lot of different ways. Did you know that God can speak to you a lot of different ways? I know that there are people that don't necessarily believe that God speaks. 
And, but listen, I know when I say that God speaks to you, I don't necessarily mean an audible voice. He can speak by an audible voice. But that's typically not the way that he's chosen. Matter of fact, the last record that I've seen in the Word of God, an audible voice only took place two times in the life of Jesus to give him direction. And so, but God, God can, how many of you know God can speak to us by an inner witness? God can speak to us by counsel, the multitude of counsel. Come on, somebody, the multitude of counsel, there's wisdom and there's safety, and that's what the scripture says. And listen, I believe that when you make a decision, it ought to be able to pass the litmus test of the multitude of counsel. And if it can't, that ought to cause you to back up on it just a little bit. And so God can speak to you by, I also believe he can speak to you by a vision that he gives you. How about a prophetic word? I know that some people don't believe in a prophetic word, but my life has been shaped multiple times over the years by a prophetic word. that I it, and, and it endured the counsel of God, but it brought peace to my spirit as it dictated my direction. And then, uh, and then lastly, a dream. And I want to show you something. So God can, God can speak to your heart. But so when, when can that direction come? When can it come in our heart and life to help us make a decision, to help us know? I tell you what, it can come through the night. It could come through the night, and when you get up in the morning, if you have the peace of God about the thing that you were thinking about, then most likely God dropped wisdom from above in your heart as you slept. And, you know, that's why the old-timers used to say, well, don't make your mind up today. Go home and sleep on it. Does that make sense? Go home and sleep on it. It's because they knew, and they, you say, Pastor, validate that for me. I'm glad you wanted me to because I'm about to. And so, in Job chapter number 33, this is Eliab, the younger of the four counselors, some call them the miserable counselors to Job. Eliab is the only one that's not reproved by God for what he said to Job. Here's what Eliab said. These are not the words of Job. These are the words of the young man Eliab as he is speaking to Job. And he says this, God speaks once, yea, twice, yet man perceives it not. How many know that the problem is not with God? I've heard people say this, well, God's trying to talk to us. God doesn't try anything. God does. Can I say that one more time? You and I try. When you try, you have the potential for failure, right? You and I try. God does not try. He does. He speaks. The key is, do we perceive? So let's go farther. Verse 15. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men and slumberings upon the bed. Verse number 16. Then he, being God, opens the ears of men and he seals their instruction. How about that? Isn't that powerful? So that's why sometimes when you were wrestling with all kinds of thoughts about the direction that you were choosing and you didn't have a direction, then one day you got up out of bed and there was something that had dropped down in your spirit, the peace of God, and you got up and you said, you know what, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. It was because God came to you the way that he said he would, the wisdom of above. God took you to that place when you were the quietest, when you would have a, a, a softened spirit, your mind would not be distracted by all the things that distract us in our generation. Come on, somebody. You wouldn't have all of that around you. And in that moment of time, in your subconsciousness, God came and he dropped something inside you called the wisdom of God, the wisdom from above. And when you got up, how do you know that the stone illuminated in your heart, it, you knew it because of the peace of God? Because you got up, you said, well, pastor, I can't explain that. No, you, the Bible says plainly, I didn't give them this verse, but Philippians 4, verse 17 says, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart 
and mind through Christ Jesus. I've said this for many years. I can do anything, even if it's something I don't want to do, as long as I have the peace of God. Now let me return to the original text. Because from the narrative of Jesus' birth, you and I can learn how to hear God's voice for direction. Now, if you are, I don't want to say this, more mature uh, physically here today, meaning not mature, like muscled up like I am, obviously. And so, but I'm talking about, I don't want to say, I don't want to be offensive in age or whatever, but if you are older and, you're, and you've got children, I'm telling you the thing that you want for them the most is that they will be good decision makers. Because if they'll follow the leading of God at those critical moments in life, they can avoid many of the pitfalls that others fall prey to. Right? And if they'll live every day in their life saying, God, I want to walk in the will and in the purposes of God. So I found myself, as I was contemplating this, uh, as I was praying about it for, to share with you, I found myself, oddly enough, finding an example of this in the narrative of the birth of Christ. Let's read this together here if we can. And then in a moment, I'm going to begin to drop some bullet points down in your heart. I don't usually say this. I usually preach too fast for me to say if, if you're taking notes, you ought to, or, and if you're not, you ought to. Today is that day. Is it me? Am I alone in here? Is it hot? I think we should do a little bit warmer. Did I get something from Sister Sherry? Let me, I shouldn't ask all of you guys. Let me ask the one that matters the most. Sherry said it's a little bit warm, so we could get a little bit of circulation of air in here. I think it would be beneficial for us here today. Matthew chapter number 1, let's read this here together, eight verses initially, and we're going to kind of pick and, and we're going to move. So now remember, let me say this, as we read, I'm going to read it down together, eight verses initially, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to share some things with you that I believe can help you see this in an example because there are certain parameters that are involved with determining the will of God and recognizing that as the peace of God and the direction, wisdom from above. So let's read this. The birth of Yeshua Christ was this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and he took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name, there's that name again, Jace, right there, and he called his name, come on, you should say it with me, Jesus. Now, with that, let me say this. In order for you to understand the narrative of the birth of Jesus, you have to take Matthew's gospel, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and fold that together with Luke's gospel, chapter 1 and chapter number 2. As Matthew alleviates some of the story and shares it, uh, uh, information that Luke does not share, but for you to gain the broader understanding, you have to fold them together. 
Only for, in just a brief synopsis, we are aware that a prophetic word by the angel Gabriel had been given to this young virgin girl named Mary who's dwelling in Nazareth, a town of Galilee that is in north Israel, and where that prophetic word comes to her that she is going to uh, have a child conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. She doesn't know a man and she will not know a man sexually till after the birth of her firstborn child because it is the prophetic word of God. It is God with us, Emmanuel. And she said, you know the famous words, Luke records it, so be it unto me according to thy word. And at that moment of time, it is our belief, the spirit of the living God that hovered over the earth and the Genesis hovered over the virginal womb of this young girl and the life of God, the rhema of God, that life of God of Jesus came into her, right? And there was holy conception in her and the word was conceived in her. Man, I could preach about that right there today. But with this, oddly enough, what took place here helps us learn how to make, I know that I don't want this to sound like a a generic message, like, like uh, I'm taking the most, one of the most important stories in all the Word of God, and I'm taking it and making it about you, because I don't want it necessarily to be so, but I want us to always be willing to look at the Word and see the example of what took place, because you might be the next Joseph. You might be the one that God's speaking to with direction for your life. And so obviously to us that when Mary received the prophetic Word, that she was already espoused to this man named Joseph. And she had the solemn responsibility to call him and say, I want to talk to you. And I don't mean call him like you and I call someone, but to get together with him and to say, can I tell you what's happened to me? And so can you, we've tried to look at this in the past. Can you imagine when Joseph is hearing that out of the ear, with his own ears out of the mouth of the one that he's espoused to, that she's now pregnant, but she's not known any man. She's not played the harlot for King James English, but rather the spirit of the living God has come over her. I'll tell you what, that would have been hard to hear, wouldn't it have? Can we just be honest with it? And so with this text, it reveals to us that, that this news seems to interrupt Joseph's plans to marry Mary. And out of compassion, out of compassion, he intends to put her away. And, and so I've often, I wrote it this way. Our plans, how many know you and our plans are often altered by the prophetic word of God? And it takes faith for you and I to receive it. And so during this moment, you can look at Joseph and you can say, Joseph was a just man, but that doesn't mean that he was not hurt by what, the information that was shared, that, that he's wounded, that he believes that very possibly the one that he loves and the one that he intended to spend his entire life with has, been, uh, uh, has committed fornication against him and there's been uh, the, an offspring created and, and he's hurt, he's wounded, he's frustrated. And, but the, here's the powerful thing about Joseph. Joseph does not react... But he simply pauses, and that's critical to us. I'll tell you what, you have to be very careful in immediately reacting even to negative news. Verse 20, it all could hinge on this. While Joseph thought on these things, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about the decision that he's about to have to make. He can either decide to go ahead and marry her, or he can decide to put her away. How many know that is a life-altering decision? Right, And if Joseph, now that we see the end of the story, if Joseph makes the wrong decision here 
everything that you know about the narrative of the birth of Christ would be altered. It would be entirely different. We wouldn't even know. We would, Joseph would have slipped away into biblical obscurity if he fails to heed and to hear the wisdom of God. And so in this moment, in a dream, when Joseph, upon the slumberings of his bed, God comes to him, and when that happens, the wisdom of above, from above is deposited in his heart. Let me share with you and begin to give you some bullet statements that I think are very critical. And these are the things just to drop down in your spirit. Now, remember, Pastor Brown does not very often say that. You ought to take notes to this message. He said, Pastor, I didn't bring a pencil and paper today. That's the beauty of having our messages on Facebook. You can go back later, and you can write these out because there may come a moment in your life when you're facing a similar moment where you're having to make a critical decision that not only could alter your life, but the lives of those around you generationally, right? And you want to make sure that the wisdom of God is sent to your heart and mind. So number one, I love this. What the angel said to him in a dream immediately was, fear not. So the wisdom of God is what? First, peaceable. Right? If, it's, if whatever you're thinking creates anxiety and fretting and worry and strife, then typically, as I've said previously, that is not the will of God. But if it immediately begins to settle your heart, how many know God has the ability to settle the heart, to be able to give rest to the heart, where you can be, have confusion around you, but peace within? And so, number one, fear not, he said. It's peaceable. Number two was a very specific direction. Take Mary to be your wife. I like that. God gave him very specific direction. There are a lot of people that claim to prophesy, and they're prophesying so generally. There are times I need something specific. I need direction that's more than that doesn't belong to just everybody else. It belongs to me. Specific. God, I'm needing specific direction in my life. Number three is, I put it this way, it's the truth. That it's tied to the truth. It's founded on the truth. Notice what the angel of the Lord told Joseph. He said that the child within her is conceived of the Holy Ghost. So the child. That, so what he's saying is, is that Mary told you the truth. Let me tell you today, when God drops direction in your heart and life, it will always be established on the truth. It will never be separated from the truth, the consistency of the, what he's revealed as the truth throughout the Word of God. Number four, it was that the child is of God. That's revelation. God's will is being revealed. There's revelation. It was clouded. It was, it was hidden, but now it's being disclosed. You previously were looking through a glass darkly. Joseph was thinking, I don't understand. She's saying it was conceived of the Holy Ghost. It's never happened in the history of mankind. It's very possible that she's lying to me and that she's actually uh, been a fornicator, and yet I still care for her. I still love her. I don't know what to do. Joseph I'm sure went out and he was angry if he could pick up a rock and throw it to release his energy he would if he could cry he would whatever it was but he went to bed thinking on those things and during the slumberings of the night God who is the God of infinite wisdom came to him and gave him very specific direction and guess what God can do the same for you and I I believe that number five I love this one you got to call his name that's what does that mean Listen, Joseph wasn't going to deliver the baby. Mary was going to deliver the baby. But the Bible said there that God told Joseph, thou shall call his name. What does that mean for you and I? It means this, that you and I have to speak the prophetic word that was spoken. When you gain direction from God and you know that God has given you the peace of God towards the will of God in your life, then you've got to have the courage to declare it over the situation that you're believing God for. 
Let me go farther than that. Number six, this is one of the greatest ways that you can know whether or not the decision that you're making is being led by the Spirit of God. Is it it redemptive in nature? Is it tied to redemption? Is it it somehow? Pastor, what does that mean? Remember what this says right here in this text. He said the angel of the Lord said that he's going to save his people from their sins. So when you're making a decision, I don't care if it's a business decision or whether it's moving from one location to another location, at the core of you petitioning God and saying, God, I want to know if this is the will of God for your life, then you always hold redemption near you. You always say, God, the move that I'm about to make, the person that I'm inviting into my life, the relationship that I'm establishing, God, does it help me expand the kingdom of God? And if it doesn't help you expand the kingdom of God and it's not redemptive in nature, it's very possibly that it is not from God because it is, it is worldly, earthly, sensual, and devilish. But when God drops something in your heart, yes, he will bless you and he will bless your family, but he also is expanding the kingdom of God for the light is going out into the darkness and the darkness is not overtaking it. And so it's redemptive in nature. So always measure it. That's a part of the template. God is the decision that I'm making. Is it honoring you and building the kingdom of God. That's a good word, church family. Number seven, very quickly, verse 22. I put it here, it's aligned with the Lord. But I should have said it's aligned with the word. Aligned with the word. What does that mean? Look at this real quickly. In the text, verse number 22. Now all this was done that, might be, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, a virgin shall be with child, quoting from the book of Isaiah. Why is that important? Listen very carefully. God will not tell you to do something that is contrary to the revealed Word of God. I want to say that one more time, because you've heard me say it many times as your pastor, we live in the Burger King generation, where we want it our way. And so we will willingly sacrifice the true revealed will of God to obtain that which we desire. And it can even be exposed to us that the decision that you are making is contrary to the revealed will of God. And many times people will continue to press forward in doing so. Let me tell you, when that happens, there will be envy and strife and it will result in every evil work. And you will pay the price when you think that the decision that you're making that is against the revealed word of God is the right decision for you. You're rejecting the word, you're rejecting counsel, you're rejecting the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Also, that you can gratify the thing that you've told yourself is the right thing. Number eight, I love this. And it says in verse 24, and Joseph being raised from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. You got to obey. Hmm. Can I take a pastoral moment? How, how long have I preached here today? Can I have a few more minutes here today? It's only 11.19. I'm doing good. Come on, somebody. Okay, people have come to me for many years, pastor, as a pastor. Even when I was a young guy. That that hurts. I mean, you didn't say it. I said it. And then I realized what I just said. But even when I was up at Shirley, Brother Jerry, Mr. Pam, back in those days when I was 27 years old, people would come to me as a pastor for counsel many times 
when it was at a critical point of decision in their life. And that started the process, and it has continued for many years now. Now, obviously, I can't always reach into the bag and pull out the, the Urim and the Thummim. But what we can do, and what we often do in that moment, is we pray, and we say, God, we need wisdom. Come on, that's the pastor's heart. And I can't tell you the times that I have sat with someone... And, we, we, and they, they explained their situation and the decision that they were needing. And if, and if the stone didn't get illuminated while we were talking, then we weren't going to make any, you know, any certain direction. We weren't going to, I wasn't going to recommend you do this or that. Because if you don't know what to do, I'll get there in a moment, then you shouldn't do anything. You need to wait on God. But I can tell you there have been many times that the, what I believe is the word of wisdom... The word of wisdom, one of the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which means in that moment the supernatural Spirit of God quickened a word in that moment and direction was determined and the stone lit up. And in that moment, I'm telling you, even in the office, it drove away anxiety and strife and envy. It was not carnal. It was not sensual. It was the wisdom from above. It was peaceable. It was easy to be received. And it cast the light of direction for that individual. And man, we left out of the office there, and we, 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 there was a mutual bond. It was a mutual moment because together we had heard from God. And I can't tell you the times that I've watched somebody walk out of that office, go through that double glass door, and get in their vehicle, and two weeks later do exactly opposite of everything that we came together and agreed upon that that was the revealed will of God. Joseph got up from sleep and here's what he said, God, I'm going to do what you said I needed to do. And you need to obey the revealed will of God. Now, let's go farther because this story uh, goes on. And I don't mean to preach a long time to you today. I don't want to sever this message. But if you'll allow me, I'm going to share just a few more nuggets of truth before we pray with people at the front. What are we going to pray today? We're going to play in, in the backdrop of the narrative of Jesus' birth that God still gives wisdom from above to help his people make decisions and we're going to pray God give the people that are in this season of decision in their life the wisdom that they need to make the right decision I feel at peace here today I feel at peace about where I'm at with this message it continues in Matthew chapter 2 verses 11 through 15 and so um, I went ahead and jumped forward in time they've made their journey to Bethlehem the baby's been born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angels have appeared to the shepherds and said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. The shepherds have run, and they have found there somewhere in Migdal Adar, right, Jason? Somewhere there in the tower of the flock, there was the little child. There was Emmanuel, God with us. And so that story has unfolded, and, and then the, by the time that we pick it up here, they're in a house. They've moved a little bit farther, and so there are the wild Wise men from the east. Those are those little guys that are in that nativity set that you have that are off to the left just a little bit. One's kneeling, two are standing. And they each have a gift that they bring in their hands. They say, I didn't know that. That's who that is. That's the wise men. You say, Pastor, you're a wise man, but you're also a wise guy. I know that too. And so uh, with that said, we, uh, in this moment, so the, the wise men from the east come, fall down and worship him, and they open their treasures, and they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I didn't give this as a, as a point, but let me just go ahead and tell you today that when you determine to do the will of God, God will give you provision. He will make a way for you. He'll begin to give you the resources that you need. And so, but in verse number 13, 
Let's catch that today. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to highlight it as we go. After they presented the gifts, the men from the east, and so uh, in a dream they are warned. Excuse me, I went too far. Let Let me back up real quick. Verse 12. The Magi themselves are warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. So if we can try to get a picture image of this, most likely with that warning from the angel of God, they're told that upon the, upon, uh, the, the leaving of the Magi, that Herod is going to attempt to kill the child. And they're going another way. And perhaps even their lives, were, their, their lives are even at risk. And so you got to think about Joseph for just a moment. Joseph hears, perhaps he hears, what the, has happened to the wise men. And Joseph immediately, you know what his first impulsive response would be? I want to go back with you. I'm going to follow you back to the east. i got to get away from here. He knows, Herod knows that the child was born in Bethlehem. And so again, the earthly sensual wisdom says, let me follow the Magi and go back to the east. But why did Joseph not do that? Because it would not have been consistent with the word of God. Because there's nothing in the word that says Messiah shall come from the east. So let's go farther with this. And so then in the 13th verse, once again, as Joseph is thinking about what to do, what happens? Wisdom from above. And in a dream, the word of the Lord comes to him. And the word of the Lord says, you need to get up right now. Perhaps even the very same night that he woke up, he said, you need to take the child and flee into Egypt. And so he flees into Egypt with his family. And here's the thought that I dropped down in your heart is that number nine today, you have to know that even though the revealed will of God comes to you, you still have to steward the will of God. You have to steward it. Some things don't just happen. You have to be willing to respond. You have to be willing to act. You have to be willing to move. If God says do this, you got to go. It takes faith to step out. I, I put it this way, Jason. I was thinking about this. Sometimes you can flee in faith. And in that moment, you got a prophetic word, and the, the angel of the Lord is telling you that Herod's coming to kill uh, your family. Then you get up in the middle of the night. It's like the Passover moment. You don't bring anything with you. You load up. You put your wife. You put your baby. You load them on the mule, and you get out of town as quickly as you can because God said, I am preserving your life. you got to steward the will of God. God was speaking to Joseph, and he said, Joseph, it's your responsibility. I've given this to you. I've revealed to you this is the will of God, but you've got to do your part. You know, we live in a generation, some people simply think that God's going to do it all. I believe there are times that you must rest, but there are times that it is your responsibility to step out in faith and to move when God says move. And so, Pastor, why is that so important? Well, let me go one further real quickly. I like this. In that verse, where where is that verse? Let me read it on down just so which which verse was it. He said, when you go to Egypt, he said, stay there until I bring thee word. Verse 13. You said, when you make a move in life, it's a very critical point, and you don't know what to do, you stay till you know what to do. Can I say that one more time? Because I kind of kind of made I kind of squeezed that together and it's gotten confused. And I know I'm getting a little bit long into the sermon. And typically after pastoring for 25 years, I know when you give me about 40 minutes of time, you start to drift. But and I want to reel you back in. It's very important. These last few points are just little sub points that I'm dropping in your heart. They're critical, they're part of the template. It's critical for you because, again, your life, one day, one day, the overall, uh, you know, effectiveness of your life is going to be measured against these five or six critical decisions that you made when you were faced with what to do. And I just want to see you making the right decision. I believe God will make the stone illuminate in your heart. 
So here's what he told Joe, here's what he said. So I'm gonna calm myself down. I'm gonna preach it with a great conviction. He said this. He said, stay till I bring you word. One thing I've learned when I'm in the valley of decision, if I don't have the clear revelation from God, then stay and don't do till I wait on God. Can I help you with that today? The valley of decision, you may be there longer. It may not be, you, from the day that you start thinking about it to the day that you make the right decision could be weeks. Sometimes it's months. And it's, I know it's difficult at that time. I can't, de- I can't determine when the wisdom comes. I simply pray. I just need to be able to recognize it when it comes. And why is this move so, so, so powerful for Joseph? This is not a, a sub point, but it's back to the previous point. When they went to Egypt, when the word came out of the angel's mouth in the dream, go to Egypt. Remember, Joseph knows the scriptures. The scriptures had said, out of Egypt, I've called my son. Not from the east, I've called my son. But from the south, I've called my son. Out of Egypt, I've called him. Why is that important? Because you don't do anything that's not consistent with the revealed word of God. Man, that's a good word. Lastly, to conclude the message here, Matthew 29, or excuse me, Matthew 2, verses 19 through 23, which is only five verses of Scripture. We're going to conclude with that, and I'm going to drop a couple more subpoints in your heart today. Matthew 2. As I hope that you, through the narrative of Jesus' birth, you're understanding today that God can give wisdom. Here in just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward. And I'm not saying that anybody's going to, pro- I'm not telling anybody that is not going to prophesy. I'm, that's, prophetic words, is, they're good. My, I'm, not, that's not, I'm not a prophet here today. I'm a pastor. And my prayer for you will be this. If you will come forward in a moment of time, if, you're, if this message, you got said, Pastor, I had no idea you was going to talk about this today. You know what our prayer for you will be today? God give wisdom. Because if any man lack wisdom, what is he to do? Let him ask of God. I'll join my faith with your faith, and I'll pray, God, give you wisdom. So Matthew chapter number 19, verse number 23, to conclude this. When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he said, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose... And I I skipped one point. I'll have to come back to that one, I believe. Yeah, point 11, I'll have to come back to it. And he arose and took the young child, his mother, and came into the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being, notice this, this is the fourth dream, the fourth time that Joseph went to bed not knowing what to do, and God gave him wisdom. Being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, And he came and he dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled once again, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So today, even though I feel a little bit internal anxiety because of the length of the message and it's going a little bit longer, I'm going to go ahead and take my liberty, if you'll allow me, and take just a moment to close this message because I believe it's that important. I do believe that because if you make the poor decisions that so many make, You'll be coming back to me for counsel about how to get out of the situation. Come on, or you'll be going to somebody else to help, and you'll be weeping hot tears in regret that you didn't take the time to listen to what the pastor said on the fateful day that God brought you to this house 
so that I could share this word with you and give you a template that you could hide in your heart that would help you and your family learn to obtain the wisdom of God. I think it's that important. I missed one point in the previous text of Scripture. You remember when they fled, when they fled out of uh, Bethlehem because of the threat by Herod? They arrived in Egypt, and you know what took place. We don't know, whether, what, we don't know when. We don't know if they, le- they left in the night. Sometime, almost immediately, when Herod saw that he was mocked by the, by the wise men, or the, 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 I got wise guy on my mind now, I gotta be careful. And so, but from the, from the Magi, remember what he did? He sent his soldiers to Bethlehem with the command to do what? To kill every child two years old and, uh, and younger. And it fulfilled a prophetic word that had been visioned, given in a vision to Jeremiah. Rachel weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted. I'm going to, this is a little bit of a reach. I'm going to say that Joseph would have found out in Egypt of the tragedy that took place in Bethlehem in his absence. And if he had been there, his child would have been numbered with the ones that had died. Here's something you got to remember in your spirit. You can't let tragedy prevent the will of God in your life. You can't let what's happened on the far reach, if you have a clear revelation, this is God's will for my life. I can't let tragedy around me keep me from fulfilling the will of God for my life. And this text here, numbers 12, 13, and 14, the, the three last subpoints that, that I'm going to give you. They've gone into the land now of Israel. Judea is in the southern part. Remember, Joseph was of the house and the lineage of David. And so when he had made that journey from Nazareth, he had gone to his hometown of Bethlehem. So if you had a map of Israel in front, you would see Judea in the southern part, Bethlehem. You see Nazareth in the northern part. It was Joseph's intent to go to the land of his family, which was Bethlehem, where they had birthed the child uh, weeks, months, or even years earlier. We don't know. But God, once again, gives him wisdom from above. And I wrote it this way. Is, is, is it, why did he not want to go back to Nazareth? Is it because of what Mary suffered when she first told her family and the community learned that she was pregnant before her marriage? And Joseph didn't want to go through all that. Who would? Who would want to go back into all that? Nothing you wouldn't want to if those, you, I mean, even good people could say bad things. And words can cut. You know the old adage, one of the greatest lies ever told, sticks and stones may break my bones, but my words shall never hurt me. That's not true. Words can cut to the heart and leave you scarred the rest of your life if apart from the healing power of God. And so those words and Joseph, and my, this is my presumption, Joseph just didn't want to go back into that. And I don't blame him a bit. I wouldn't either and you wouldn't either. But with this, number 12, sub-point number 12 is this. God's will is often to do the thing that we dread. Sometimes we're faced with a situation that we just like, I just don't want to do it. But when you have the revealed will of God, number 13 here today, real quickly, if God gives direction, he will give peace. He will give you the peace. And then the peace of God, Daryl, join me on the platform, will help you to have the courage to have the courage to go forward in pursuing the will of God for your life. So I close this message today here with this final little sub-point. Number 14, put this in your heart. When peace rules the heart, that is wisdom 
from above. That's the stone that the priest of old would reach his hand into the breastplate and pull out, illuminated by the supernatural power of God and direction for ancient Israel would be determined. You say, Pastor, oh, man, that'd be so awesome if somebody could do that for me. You can do that. You can hear the voice of God speaking to your inner witness, speaking to you as you wake up in the morning when you had contemplated for days and weeks, and suddenly one day you got up and there was a supernatural deposit in your spirit of the peace of God, and you knew this is the direction of God. Isn't that powerful, church family? What a, what, a, what a gift that is for us as believers to know that our life, when you read the narrative of Jesus' birth, oftentimes we forget. We forget about Joseph having a listening ear to the voice of the Holy Spirit coming to him in a dream. Because I'm telling you, church family, why is I, here, if you're not careful with the carnal mind, you could gain a word like Joseph did, go to Nazareth rather than Bethlehem. You would wake up and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because you didn't want to do that. You dreaded it because you were frustrated by it. But then when God does what? Remember, the wisdom of God descends from above. It's deposited in your spirit. And you say, Pastor, how can I explain it? I can't explain it. Let me just tell you today, there is a part of your communion with God that is always supernatural. Yes. And, and, and you just have to embrace that. And that, that yes, I live in a natural world. Yes, I function in, with physical uh, you know, attributes and all that and in relating to this physical world. But God is spirit. And God communes with us different ways. I believe in visions, dreams, prophetic words. I believe in the wisdom of God coming through counsel. But I also believe in the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. His spirit joins with my spirit. But I also simply believe that that peace of God dropping in my heart at the right moment, then I am confident that I've heard from God the direction that I need for my life. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. I hope that a day of celebration has not turned somber in here today. I hope that today you've been... I told you when I sent the message on the phone tree, I said, I'm so excited to share this message with you because I really believe that it can help you. It's helped me. I've made some poor decisions. I, if, 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 if my testimony hit the screen today, there'd be some things that I could look back at with shame when I, when I, I didn't wait on God and I moved uh, in, in, and I advanced something that was beyond the will of God and the scope of God for my life. But I can also say that I've proven the principles that I've shared with you today. I've proven this. I've seen it in my own life when I, I didn't know what to do. And I, rather than I react like Joseph, one of the things that we can learn from Joseph, he thought on those things. He didn't just react. He waited. And when you wait, God can give you direction. And I've seen that in my own personal life. And so I'm telling you today, not only from as a pastor, a teacher, somebody who studied the Word of God, but I've also proven this in my own heart and life, so I have an experience of it as well, that if you wait before the Lord and you're diligent, and when you don't know what to do, you simply wait. When you don't know what to do, and you search and you wait, and when the true wisdom from above comes, it may come through counsel. It may come through the dream. It may come through hearing the preacher preach. 
It may come through conversing back and forth with your spouse or your loved one until you arrive at a conclusion. Whichever way that it comes. That's not, for Joseph, it was a dream. But for you, it could be any of the above. The key is, is that when, when it comes, the wisdom of God has been given and peace accompanies it. The peace of God. It rules in your heart. You get up. You walk away. You stand up. Whatever it is. You, from that moment and you know. You know. You just say, thank God. This is it. I've got the peace of God. I've got that which I was looking for. As our heads are bowed and our eyes closed. Who here today would be honest with me? Honest and say, Pastor, man, wow. I, I didn't know I was going to walk in this today. I thought the message would be about tinsel and gifts and I didn't know that because, Pastor, you don't know that I'm really at a moment in my life where I'm making some really critical decisions, and I just hadn't had the peace of God on it just yet. I didn't even know I really needed it till today, and I, I just simply want you to pray for me today. That's all I want to do today. I'm not trying to be anything beyond what I am. I'm not trying to be an evangelist or apostle or a prophet or anything. I'm just a pastor. And I, it, it would be my joy to add my faith to yours and simply pray a simple prayer individually. Individually, just, I'll just come, I'll join you. The other pastors will support us as well. And we'll just pray and we'll just pray. We don't have to know about your situation. We don't, I'm not going to ask you, is this a relationship? Is this a, a, or about a business decision? The selling of a home? Uh, a retirement issue? I'm not going to ask you any of those things. Those are not important to me. That, it's important to you. It's important to you and God. My simple petition for you will be this. God, grant them the wisdom. Give them the wisdom that they need. If that's you, slip your hand up today. Say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I'm going to ask you to have some courage in a minute to come forward because I, I can't come to you. You've got to come to me. I want to wait on you. Thank you for raising your hand. There'll be some others in a moment. I'm going to wait on you. Is there anyone else that just say, I see a couple other hands that are going up. There's no shame in saying, Man, I just want to, I want, to, I want to pray for wisdom. How could that be shame? It takes great courage. It takes great courage. I'm going to ask our church family to stand today. I'm going to ask you to stand. Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house? And I'm just grateful today. I don't know that you took notes. I hope that you did. If you didn't, go back and, and, and pull this up on Facebook at some point in time with a pen and paper. Keep your Bible open. See if what I've told you is the truth. See if the point that I made uh, really bears witness with the, with the Scripture there today. And, and you say, Pastor, I'm not jo no, you're not Joseph, but you deserve the wisdom of God just like anybody else. I could have taken you to James 1, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to every man freely and does not upbraid, does not hold back. God will give it to you if we'll believe. If we'll believe for it. So if you had the courage to raise your hand, I want to ask you to come forward now. And so we can pray with you today. Not everybody, church family, listen, not everybody in every church does what we do. What do you mean? You call people forward for more than just salvation. No, the reason why we're not, what we do is because we are unashamed and we believe that the word, the word of God is a seed that's sown in your heart and life. And, 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 and we're believing that God is going to do something supernatural in your life. He's going to bring you the peace that you need. Isn't that right? Come on, somebody. Now, I want to ask. I'm going to go through with an anointing oil, and I'm going to come down all the way down. 
and I'm just going to put anointing oil just real quickly. Just I'm not, I won't pour it over your head. You won't walk out of here like David from the sheepfold with the oil falling on your, your garment. That won't be the case. And I want to pray a simple prayer with you individually, and then I'm going to return right here, and we're going to pray a corporate prayer together. If you in the audience here today, even after we get started, you feel like you want to come forward, then you come on. There's an opening in the middle. We'll come back. We'll find you. If you need to be dismissed, as always, what do I always ask? Reverently. It's a sacred moment, isn't it? This is the valley of decision for some people. They're searching, and they're just saying, God, I believe you can give wisdom today. Amen? I believe that here today. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to turn the mic off today because then I'll turn it on to come back and pray a corporate prayer. If anybody in our church family that we've trusted, that you just say, man, I know somebody here today, uh, slip up, you can slip up behind them if you want to, and just put a hand on the shoulder just to give them that little point of, of contact if, that's, if you feel led to do so today. Because we encourage one another in prayer, don't we? Don't we today? We're trusting God.